Say that podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm drinking a healthy drink. Okay. It's uh, healthy. I got it at Whole Foods, so you know it's healthy. Oh, that's how you know it's healthy. So joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I got nothing. Just nothing. nothing. You don't update us on what you're drinking? Just, uh, no. do, do you just want to sit quietly? No for the beverage news? <laughs> Just gonna put a damp rag on my forehead. And just, <laughs> that's right. Just chill out. Uh, that's just gonna check out of this. I podcast. assume that's mostly how people listen to the podcast. <laughs> sure, yeah. What they said, what? Pause. Just lay back and uh, relax for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's also joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, making his triumphant return to this Ooh. podcast and these shores of this United States of America. <laughs> Lee Younger, what's up, Lee? I just want to say that it's really disturbing me that Matt doesn't have a beard right now. That's not true. I have less beard. Yeah. Because I will be uh, joining Lee in Tennessee, uh, leaving in a couple of days. And as I've checked the weather, it is 7,000 degrees there. Oh. <laughs> and and I, I love the people, so I'm not going to name anybody here. But here's what people uh, in the South think. You know what would be nice? Um, an outdoor wedding in August. Yeah. <laughs> so. Doesn't sound right. It doesn't. But. Because indoors exist. Yeah. Right. They've got indoors. Yeah. Yeah. You can actually condition the air. Uh, to be well, more pleasant. Carrier. He made that possible for us. Absolutely. Yeah. But. What, what Think of the photos, Glenn. They. Yeah. Well. Natural light. Yeah. On that basis, I declare a pre-emergency. A pre-emergency? Wow. Yeah. Is that permitted? I mean, is that. It's a, it's a premature to, emergency. According to Article 12 of the Say That Constitution, it's entirely <laughs> permitted. <laughs> well, here's, what, here's the pre-emergency, is that uh, on, the, on the podcast, we sure. always have full disclosure about our drug taking. Right. Yeah, sure. Because it's like uh, uh, the, on the Olympics, you have a drug scandal. Sure. Whatever. And I was hopped up on the on on the steroids last sure, time. Sure, the the iTunes anti doping agency really takes this stuff seriously. That's right. Well, this week it's yeah. different. I'm off the the, the steroids. Okay, you're, you're on off cycle anymore. I'm on, I have a inflammation. Okay, that's what the doctor told me. Sure, and I'm very inflamed. Okay, and this is uh, in the Latin term for that is in fuego. Okay, it is sure. <laughs> and um, here's what here's what. I'm doing to deal with that is omega threes. Okay, because yes. you know, what I have now is omega five. Okay, that's no good. You got to knock that out. You got to take the omega threes. I think that's to get to omega four. Okay, sure. So you got to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't. You, you have the right omegas. That's all. Is that fish with? oils? <laughs> Here's what it is. I'm taking the fish oil now. I don't have any way of proving this i didn't do like a baseline right thing right but i'm pretty sure it's allowing me to swim faster sure, sure. absolutely i don't swim ever for any reason but if you yeah. needed to i feel like the fish oil would allow me to swim a lot faster i like it I like so it. just good. i'm just d- disclosing now glenn when we say you're taking fish oil is since we're in full disclosure i want to be clear are you you're taking pills you buy at a grocery store right That's you're right. not no i i am not like squeezing fish and, yeah, and like sucking the oil them out <laughs> as like a towel <laughs> To get the oil out of them? Yeah, no. that That's uh, that's just... Uh, okay, because that would be operator error. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's good. Right. It's good. Uh, okay, well, pre, pre-emergency off? Pre-emergency off. Okay, I think we can get to the, the meat of what we're going to talk about here, which is, as we may have mentioned, uh, Lee has been 
in the lovely nation of Spain for the last 10, 10 days, 14 days, like quite a while. Yeah, 13 days, I think. 13 days. That's that's a long minute. Spend over there in the mountains of the Castilian side. It's not actually in Castile, but that was the Spain place name I can't Where were you actually, Lee? I was in Catalonia, so about an hour and a half outside of Barcelona. Close enough. Um, so he's out there in the in the mountains. He's he's away from the people. He's got just nature and the, he's not in in the Andalusia, and he, he's definitely not in Basque country either. Absolutely not. Right. They don't they don't care for that kind of thing. Geography, yeah, yeah geography <laughs> points. Those omega threes are really working. <laughs> That's right. That's, I'm swimming. It's I got geography. Yeah. you. It, it's a whole new me. So Lee has been away for a little while, and I think this is a fine opportunity. If Lee has any questions for us, okay, just kind of mm. catch him up on you know what things have been doing. Do do they still dance? Right, right. You know, is is Margot Robbie still America's sweetheart? Did we did that change? You know, is, is twerking still? A thing? Yeah, are, we, sure. are they still twerking? <laughs> right, right. But you know, it's a it's a it's a fast moving news cycle. Lee has been away. Is there anything yeah. particularly you need to be caught up on, Lee? That you feel like we can help you out on? Well, I will say this. Uh, you know, I was pretty pretty laser focused on on the young life camp there and mm. you know kind of away from the internet and just kind of every day just doing the the ministry thing you people know, still like cats i feel like that's gonna be your question from being it's, away from the internet it's big not, on cats it's it's not my question but that is important info i'm glad i'm glad you brought it up my, my big thing is you know after two weeks I, I basically had no kind of internet input whatsoever so i don't know what's going on with I really don't know what's going on like at all in like the political landscape or anything. I just was out of the country and had no exposure to like what's going on in the U.S. You know, this right. we're in election cycle. I have no idea what the deal is. All right. Well, I can't think of any more convenient way to get caught up on the news than during the emergency segment of the podcast. Okay. Um, I think it's a good thing for us to talk about. Glenn, I know you follow stuff pretty closely. If you mm-hmm. want to start us off, and let's let's tread carefully. We, you know, people. People have opinions. It's your sensitive topics. That. On that basis, I declare a news update emergency. I've got a very bad feeling about this. I've, I feel like that advice I just gave is going to go unheeded. Uh, here's what I'm saying. Uh, people uh, like this uh, podcast because it's provocative. Sure, absolutely. We say a lot of... That's you close. Know, we, we say a lot of things right. you know, that get to people Well, working. that's definitely true. We get them stirred up. That was our original tagline. Say that. They say a lot of things. (laughs) Okay. So here's the thing is uh, we tackle the tough topics. We do. Indeed. So we're we're not afraid. Robot cyborgs, kitten heels, all of them. All of that. Well, here's what we're dealing with. We had a, there was a a speech that was made uh, and they had at, at this rally, political rally, a guy named Warren Buffett. He's the guy that invented the buffet. That's how he got to be so wealthy. That, well, that's a lot of money to yeah. be had. Yeah, that's a great idea. And he financed his brother Jimmy's career. Sure. Exactly right. That's how he got exactly. to the original parrot head. Yeah. Uh, that's right. The Margaritaville and so forth. Uh, but uh, he's known as the Oracle of Omaha. He's a very famous investment person. Very, 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 very rich. Knows everything there is to know about the stock market and so forth. And he pointed out, and I think this is really irresponsible. Right. And this is what we need to get into. We're tackling okay. the, the issues okay. here. So you're against the thing you're about to, to break Very down. against the thing I'm about to say. Okay. What Warren Buffett said in a controversial statement, he said there were people who invested with Donald Trump. Yeah. 
and that those people lost so much money yes. because of his incompetence that right. they would have done better if yes. they had given a monkey yeah. a dart and yeah. allowed the, the, the monkey to throw the dart at the stock page to pick random stocks. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Wow. Now, this is irresponsible. You found this inappropriate. Th- this, yes. is, this is clearly a deeply offensive statement. This is a level of discourse that is b- below American democracy. Absolutely we right. can't say strong enough how much we disagree with this. It is absolutely, totally irresponsible. And you know what? Temperament. Yes. Not This is not the temperament wow. that we want. Because I'm going to be honest, Glenn. I didn't, didn't really expect you to be coming down on this side of this particular competition. This is what I'm saying. We cannot be giving darts to monkeys. I'm glad <laughs> someone had the courage to say it at long last. I mean, we I can, did not properly anticipate where that was going. Monkeys we, can't be trusted with darts. They cannot be trusted with darts. You've seen at the zoo what they do with you. their own poo. Don't give them a sharp-edged object. That's right. I mean... I mean, what are we even talking about? Uh, Lee, did you have something on that? Just that that monkey's going to turn on you, man. You know that he is. coming right. your way. You First know of all, it there's is. no. You have no guarantee when you give a monkey a dart that he's going to actually throw it at the stock market page. That's uh, there's no way to know. We're basically weaponizing monkeys. This is what I'm talking. Okay. This is how Planet of the Apes begins. And that That's no uh, I don't know if everyone has seen that documentary. But you know what? It's a six-part documentary at this point. It starts with handing him a dart and saying, throw it out a newspaper. Yep. Here's where it ends. They're on horseback with an AK-47. Exactly right. Speaking English, by the way. Speaking English. You know how they learned that English? From the stock page. Okay. (laughs) There it is. There it is. Thanks for that, Warren. Warren. (laughs) I've said this before, and I'm not afraid to say it. Sure. You can't trust a monkey. Of course not. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, first of all, they're kind of uh, cagey. Sure. Suspicious. Yes. We don't know what they're up to. No. What's no. This is the question I want us to look at. What is the monkey agenda? What is, what's the monkey platform? <sighs> they, they have, they're pushing, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Insurgency. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, yeah. before, well, since I feel the strong need to cut this off at the word insurgency before anything else happens with that, I'm going to, in an almost certainly futile attempt at reality, point out, is it possible that Warren mm. Buffett, or chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, a billionaire, um, was using a uh, a colorful metaphor as a rhetorical point. You know, well, I'm glad you asked that question. Like, yeah. Randomness. Like, yeah. you, you could just say pick random stocks, but that's not right. as evocative as monkey. You're saying dollars. he's being sarcastic. Y- yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because that leads to the thing we're all wondering. Yeah. What uh, did the monkey lobby offer Warren Buffett? Nice. How yeah. long has he been in bed with yeah. Big Monkey? So you're saying this is a monkey. Warren thing. Buffett's in bed with Big Monkey. He is in bed with Big Monkey. And if it isn't clear, true, why won't he deny it publicly? want to be clear... Mr. Buffett's legal team <laughs> with Big Monkey, not with a Big Monkey. <laughs> Those are we very, don't have proof of that. Different accusations, and one of them is almost certainly considered libelous. Here's the thing: whenever, whenever you listen to the stump speech of the monkeys, yeah, uh-huh. there's just they never actually come down with any actual policies. That's it's right. It's all just populist notions. Exactly That's right. Exactly, they're trying to get stirred up 
yeah. the, the, all the other monkeys. You see yeah. what I'm saying? A lot of screaming. Mm-hmm. A lot of spitting. Uh-huh. A lot of lot, jumping up and down. Jumping up and down. A lot of flinging of various things. Right, right. Sometimes yeah, darts. You already made the flinging poo joke. I got more. <laughs> okay. I got more. That's, That's good. It's rich comedic terrain. Sure, it certainly is. Uh, so it sounds like if I can... Uh, that's just a defense strategy right there. <laughs> totally. That is. That's right. Just using what you have on hand. That's right. Um, if it sounds like, if you guys, if we're going to make the, the real political point, which I think uh, this is what I take from the situation, is that a lot the influence of lobbyist groups on the American political narrative conversation. Uh-huh. So we're saying that, let's say there was some kind of monkey rebellion alliance. You right. would say that it's big money groups like the MRA that are really having a negative effect. <laughs> they yield too much power. They yield it surreptitiously. Like 90% of Americans don't want monkeys to have darts. That's but right. But the MRA yields so much <laughs> so much power with those clowns in Washington. Right. That's right. That yes, even though we yes. don't want it, it's yeah, forced right. on us. That's that. Well, that's, yeah, you, you, yeah. Did I get it right there? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm somewhat distancing myself, but yeah, yeah, that's right. Maybe that's the right. National Repository of Apes. That's right. That's, I, can't, yeah. I can't work out that, that anagram no, 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 in real time, you know, but you know. You got it, you got it. No, you're absolutely right. Here's what we're talking about. They're yep. coming here, taking our jobs. Well, they're taking jobs from American monkeys. And they're taking our darts, y'all. Yeah. They're, they're taking our darts, and they're using them When was the last time you were to restaurants that had darts? Never? That's because the monkeys got them. Yeah, there you go. You know? Curious George. Yeah. What's he curious about? What is he curious about? See what I mean? Yeah. He's uh, hanging around getting, uh, he's looking into things. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think we need to get the darts back from the monkeys. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Make homo sapiens great again. (laughs) You're saying you're against (laughs) dart proliferation? (laughs) We're losing. Okay, Homo sapiens are losing. Here's my question. Sure. Why can't we use the darts? We have them. Why can't That's we use right. them? That's Could right. Could someone explain that to me? Yeah. These are the tough, controversial, political issues that we cover on this podcast. And you know what, America? You're welcome. You're welcome. We're not yeah. afraid to do it. And on that basis, I declare a deeply frightening emergency monkey off. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I well, I look, folks. I never, we never set out to make a current event show, but I feel that ours is an important voice. Yes, in the marketplace of thoughts and ideas, yep. that um, we're all better off for having it. <laughs> one one final note: sure. monkey sling poo. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they um, do. That's a good thing to point out. Did we mention that already? True. Let's, let's get that in there. <laughs> that's the kind of subtle. Laser-like focus that Jed brings to being the project head of Bridgebox. Jed's cogent political analysis. The kind of maturity. I think they gather it in real time. And and self-dedication. You You say, I want a man to put together a digital magazine of deep spiritual issues. Jed Brewer's my guy. It's not necessarily stockpiled. It's just, you know, I mean, as as it happens. It's a different kind of pile. Glenn helps with Bridgebox. This is the kind of help we're talking about, you know, maybe people need to learn about vulnerability. Maybe. And this is the kind of, you know, serious discussion that goes on. Yeah. Glenn also preaches in front of... uh, 
ex-cons and recovering addicts. That's right. He takes it a bit more seriously than he takes this show. That's right. There are real-time consequences to not being good. Yes. That's right. Definitely. Nobody wants to hear your monkey puns. <laughs> That's right. You got to focus. Yes. That's right. And then we bring that focus to Bridgebox. That's why we need this show. It's many, in many ways the counterpoint. It is. That's right. To Bridgebox. It's a freewheeling, often off-the-rails conversation. Bridgebox quite focused. You got songs from Lee and Jed. You got sermons from Glenn and myself. You got occasionally some guest uh, devotionals this month in August. We had a guest devotional for our friend John Ross, who uh, works very intently with people overcoming addiction and how that comes to face. Very good stuff. You get remixes of sermons, lots of other cool stuff. And the most important thing is you can support the work we're doing behind bars and uh, on the streets of Chicago. All that for only $8 a month. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Also, monkeys are funny. Yes, they are. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Just something to keep in mind. All right. Our first question. If you have a question for us, you can have us all the way to the end, and I'll give you some ways you can touch this. First question comes into our Say That email address, and it says, My husband is mentoring a guy who graduated high school last year. He has a rough family situation and has made healthy steps towards independence after graduation, but he's kind of stalled out. Now, my husband feels very bad for the difficult circumstances that life has brought this guy, but he also thinks he's currently allowing himself to stay stuck in his circumstances and be defeated rather than being active towards something better like where he has been previously in his life. They do set goals in some of their meetings, but the guy seems to have lost the motivation. How can my husband help him more effectively? And Glenn, I'll go to you first on this. Yeah. You have a lot of... Uh, experience working with the kind of the, the guys we work with of they're not 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 that they don't want to change not that they're mm-hmm. you know resistant to it but sometimes they're just not in a place where they're going to do that right now so right how do we balance both just the um the logistical things of giving people good advice that they can act on but also how do we manage that how do you manage that kind of um, emotional state of your own it's yes it's natural to be frustrated yeah, i think right. what gets people in trouble sometimes is they either deny that frustration because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel Jesus-y, which is bad, right? Or they give into it and totally cut bait, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. And you've you've been doing this for a long time. How do you navigate that kind of middle path? Well, it's a great question because I I think what you have to look at is uh, people will present to you problems that are just unsolvable. You know, this is the Gordian knot, and yep. here you are having to untie it. Uh, but I think we get into problems, particularly in the kind of stuff that you're talking about, where we're uh, getting overwhelmed by the the, the lack of forward progress and, and where will we start kind of stuff, when we're chasing symptoms instead mm-hmm. of root causes. When mm-hmm. we're, there's a lot of stuff that's going wrong in this guy's life, but, but we need to really boil that down to where do these problems come from? Those are going to be simple. In, I mean, the, the manifestations are complicated, and the causes of those problems can be very complicated, but the root problem is going to tend to be simple, uh, and therefore addressing that is going to be simple. So uh, we can end up riding the roller coaster if we just look at behavior or actions and th- those kinds of things. We really want to look at root causes. Uh, the second thing is, and this is really important, uh, do not pity this individual. Sympathy, a one hundred percent. Love, one hundred percent. But if you give somebody pity, that's disrespect. You're saying they are pitiful. So uh, it will say that uh, Jed will say this when he's leading uh, worship from the pulpit. We do not feel sorry for you. You are not pitiful people. You are capable of addressing your problems and handling what's going on. 
We're here to come alongside you on that, and we are all going to do what we can to, to make progress with that. And no one has ever had a problem with that. No one's ever oh, been no. offended by that. That's right. Because to pity someone is, in, in many ways, to, to, to disrespect them, yeah. to say that you, you are pitiful. So we, we, we have to get away from that as our own mindset. Because the one thing this guy that your husband is working with cannot get into is self-pity yeah. at all. So you have to cut that off within yourself, you know, before you can get him not to get into that. And the last thing I'll say is there's no way around the, the truth, uh, the, the central truth on this, which is he is in a tough cir- circumstance and he is going to have to get tough to deal with that. Yep. S- uh, understanding, sympathy, uh, love, patience, I think, is very key yep. in helping yep. all these kinds of people. But... There is a point where you have to look this guy in the eye and say, you are going to have to get tough because this is a tough problem. Yeah. You and I are going to work together on that. That's going to involve prayer. That's going to involve letting God change you and transform you. Uh, but it's going to involve you giving it your all in order to get over the situation. We can't uh, kind of go at this halfway and yeah. we can't go at this uh, we can't feel our way through this and have lots of feelings about every little thing and feel sorry for ourselves at every turn. In order to get through a tough circumstance, we have to toughen up and uh, and deal with this. Now, again, that doesn't mean that you tell them, I don't want to hear your, your problems and your struggles. It's not that at all. It's tell me your problems and struggles. Okay, given those are our problems, here's what we need to do moving forward. Let's get to kicking butt on it because we've had the understanding, mm-hmm. we've had the sympathy, we've had the love. Now is the part where we go out and, and fight this battle. Absolutely. And Lee, if I can get you to pick up on this, let's look at uh, Lee's get, uh, Glenn gives a lot of really good stuff there, kind of the ministry end of this. Someone wants to make, you know, systemic, deep level root cause change of life. What if we're looking at something a little bit more like this where they're not ready to do that? We have some physical, some actionable things we want them to address. Uh-huh. And as uh, Glenn's pointing out, we don't want to cut bait on them, but so we can be frustrated while they're not doing that. But what do we do in the meantime? You know, there's, is it yeah. just don't pick up their calls? Is it be okay with talking about life stuff and they're not doing the thing we want? So what do we do in those kind of meantimes before those troughs between their motivations? I think a lot of this, and that's a, that's a great way to put it. It's a great question. I think a lot of this depends on kind of the temperament and the attitude of the person that you're working with. But sometimes what you find is you're, you've been working with somebody for a long time. They start to make changes, and then they pump the brakes on you. And they, kind of, and, and they kind of dial back like this. And one thing that you've got to be comfortable with is the idea that, that somebody has the right to say, I don't want to be helped yeah. anymore. Uh, I don't want to move forward anymore, and uh, and and you you don't actually have the ability to force someone to make changes. You can't help somebody who doesn't want it. But one thing that you can do is exactly as you're kind of putting it in the question, Matt, is kind of uh, seek out a way to stay involved with this person. So if they're if they're kind of if they're kind of putting up a, a stiff arm to you in one area, then you can kind of dial back the the nature or the intensity of your relationship and say, all right, cool, we don't have to do that, but let's go get a cheeseburger or let's go watch that movie that just came out, you know, that let, let's go watch that new spy movie that just came out and just try to keep that relationship going. We've talked a lot on this show before about the that that the long game of ministry that you want to be the person who serves a person, who listens to them, who's there for them, so that when they are ready to make changes, they know who to call. They know that you're the person that they can talk to. And if you get into a situation where somebody 
is saying, I, I'm not able to do that right now. I'm not able to think about that right now. Okay, cool. Well, why don't we just go get some coffee and hang out and just talk or whatever. And we're going to dial back the intensity of this relationship. But um, and And then... I'm the person who's there for you when you are ready to do this. I think that one thing that you can always do, you can always do, is you can celebrate how far somebody's come. I feel like in reading this question, this dude has made a lot of great steps. You know, he's gotten out of Mm -hmm. a lot of good situations, and, and he's getting held up. But one thing that you can do is... That you can say, what we're going to do now is we're is I want to encourage you, and I want to I want to zoom out in case you haven't looked at it in a while, and I want us to look at how far you've come, and and how good this progress is, and and we need to stand back and celebrate this for a little while, and that may help that may help this dude to say, okay, actually. You know, it, it's this feels like the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. But when I look back, I realize, man, I've actually come a really, really long way. Mm-hmm. And it's possible, it's possible to help a person like that see that my next step is going to be one little step at a time, and to help them prioritize that. You say in the question that they've that in some of their meetings they do set goals, and I think that's an awesome thing to prioritize. Kind of what's next? Celebrate five, six things and look at one small thing that needs to change. And that's the, that's the kind of thing that the brain can handle is look how far I've come. And that's awesome. And I feel great about that. And my next step is one small thing. And I think I can get my head around that. Those are just some, some ways that you can maybe dial back, maybe use some encouragement, maybe use some celebration to kind of help move this guy to the next step. Absolutely. And Jed, I'd love to get you to close out on this by talking about something. It goes back to what Glenn was saying. It picks up right there on what Lee's saying. How do we keep that positive mindset? Because um, it's, it's easy to give into the negative, uh, to focus on what's not going on here. And as Glenn is saying, kind of um, have that, uh, the way people incorrectly think of tough love as kind of drill sergeanting at someone to do something they don't want to do. How do we uh, do things we talk about like firm boundaries, like being tough, like not pitying them, but do that with an affect that is loving and positive? It's a great question. I think it comes down to not being in a hurry. I think that's actually mm-hmm. the thing that allows yeah. that to happen. A phrase that I stole from Glenn is that a real man of God plays for time. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that applies across genders, a real woman mm-hmm. of God plays for time. What sure. that means is a person that is ministering to others in Jesus' name and doing so effectively is not in a hurry. Mm-hmm. They're not in a rush. That's right. Um, they're aware big transformations take a long time, a really long time, years and years and years. And, um, and they're prepared to be invested in this process for that length of time. They're not, they're not going anywhere. Um, I think where we get into trouble, I think, Matt, to answer your question, where we stop being able to be positive and loving is when we feel frustrated. Um, We as the person doing the ministry, we feel like this should be going faster. We should be there by now. And we got to get rid of all those shoulds. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, it seems like in uh, the, the darker moments, People in ministry get frustrated because they see that as a referendum on them. They definitely. If do. I were more awesome, this person would have turned their life around by now. So they are the living embodiment of my insecurities about the way I do right. ministry, and they mm-hmm. kind of take that out on the person. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. When you read the Gospels, you look at Jesus, who was fully man and fully God, and was literally perfect, and look at how many people were not willing to receive the things Jesus wanted to give him. 
Uh, If they weren't willing to receive it from Jesus, who is God and perfect and perfectly loving and all-knowing, well, then the lack of willingness to receive isn't a reflection on the giver. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it certainly doesn't have to be, um, and, and it isn't in the case of Jesus. I, I think the, the thing for us, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, and, and your question, Matt, is sound because it points to this. In addition to not being in a hurry, in concert with that, you've got to get your ego out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to help you so I can feel good about me. Right. Um, you are not a, a notch I'm trying to put on my belt. Um, you know, I love you. I want to see you get where you're going. Um, I believe in you. Uh, but none of, I don't see any of that as a reflection on whether or not I'm good at ministry, whether or not I'm called to ministry. Um, if you can set all of that stuff aside, kind of that identity and ego stuff aside, then the thing you're really trying to ask is, are, is this person in a mode where they're ready to receive right now? And if they are, then let's do that. Let's, uh, everything that Glenn and, and Lee are saying hundred percent applies. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Are they in a position where they're not willing to receive right now? Mm-hmm. And if they're not willing to receive right now, then I'm not going to try and force stuff on them that they don't want. Right. Um, if they're not willing to receive right now, then that's about similar to what Lee's saying. It's about planting seeds for the future. Um, part of that is keeping the relationship in some way going, so that when they're ready, they you know they know to call on you. But the other thing, and this is a pro tip that actually a lot of people in ministry don't know, is it's about planting seeds for. Uh, when they hit their rock bottom. Um, Mm -hmm. It's about recognizing, you know, if people aren't moving forward, they're probably going to go through some rough times as as a part of that. And what's the thing that I want to be in their head when they hit that moment of, oh, crap? Um, Mm -hmm. Because if I I can think through and pray through that, I can work on making sure that information is in their brain. Mm -hmm. It, it, It won't mean anything to them today, but it will be there, and it's far easier for the Holy Spirit to bring it to mind if it's already there when they hit that rough moment. So if we're doing that, then we're stacking the deck mm-hmm. um, in, in the way that we want it to go and the way the Lord wants it to go. And, and we can relax. If we know that we have a long-term strategy and we're planting the seeds to that long-term strategy, then it's way easier to be relaxed and therefore to be loving and be cool and be compassionate. Absolutely. I would play. I think that's fantastic advice. We'll play off something you said there, which I think uh, warrants a little bit more kind of padding out. You're talking about they're, they're ready to receive or they're not. And um, I think it would be to take that the next step further. One of the things you can be praying about and you can think about when you're counseling someone is what are they ready to receive? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you were specifically mentioning, you weren't saying there are some people ready to receive and some people are not. You're saying there are some people ready to receive the actionable life-changing yes. help and some people not right. ready to that. So it's a funny thing in kind of counseling stuff in ministry situations. Um, the person doing the ministry is kind of the bottom of who gets to set the agenda of what's going to get done. Obviously that starts with God um, and what he wants to happen will happen sometimes in more painful timing than is necessary. And that's because really the person receiving the advice has, is the one with control over where this agenda is going to go. And you can either try to buck that and, you know, really, as we're saying, kind of lay into him to try to get him to move along. That doesn't work very often. And it's doesn't tend to be a repeatable strategy. You can, as there's a uh, say in uh, football about a quarterback, you can take what the defense is willing to give you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if all they can handle is Lee saying is let's have a cheeseburger and I'll tell you, I love you. And we're there. If that's all they can handle, that's all you give them. And then they're ready for a suggestion. And then they're ready for a plan. And then they're ready for some help. It's worth noting it's very sharp insight. Um, I want to credit our friend, our friend, uh, Glenn Kaiser on this with the phrase, if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. Mm-hmm. That's the danger of, I'm going to try and just wisdom you into doing the thing I want yeah. you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
people have to make their own decisions. If they've made the decision, then then it's good. They'll they'll do it. But if I've kind of manipulated you into it, or bullied you into it, or you know uh, you know mind twisted you into it, you know, I awesomed you into it. I awesomed you into it. <laughs> it's it's only a matter of time till that wears off, uh, or somebody else comes along and gets you on something else. Yeah. You know, it, that's a short. It's a short term strategy that won't work in the long term. Absolutely, I think that's a lot of good stuff. We move on to our next question here. This is in that same email. It's based off that situation. So I want to get that part out of it first. But this kind of speaks to what we're doing there and also to um, to uh, off the question and also for the, this was a question of the what, by, from the wife of the person who's doing the idea. So it says, how can I effectively help and encourage someone, a spouse, a friend, someone at church to implement the difficult, sometimes frustrating, correct strategy? And I'll go to Lee first on this and I'll say we can answer this in two parts and we'll, we'll cover both of them by the end. One is how do we talk to a person like who is being counseled that we can, and we cover a lot of that. The first, uh, the first part of this, and Lee, what I'd love to get you to focus a little bit of your answer on is how can you be there for someone who is doing the counseling? Mm. So someone is implementing a ministry strategy that is, is, as we're talking about, it's playing for time. It's listening to Lord. It's a lot of difficult things. So how can the people who are in this helping each other kind of buffet each other against what we're talking about, giving into these frustrations? Well, I think one of the big things is just giving somebody a, a place to talk and vent and ask all the questions, just kind of lay it all out there. Here's all the things I'm feeling. I think one of the things that you mentioned that's so important is to know that the things that can the things that can kind of take us out when we're trying to do this kind of counseling ministry type of stuff is the way that we feel about it. We all want to get in a hurry, and we all want to see results. And wanting to see results is not always, you know, just based purely on your own kind of ego and your own ministry powers and stuff like that. I mean, if you have gotten into a situation where you're listening to somebody's problems and you're trying to help them make changes, you got there because you care about them. Absolutely. And so one of the reasons that you want to see people make changes is just because you care about them. Yeah. You want mm-hmm. to see them move past the thing that's hurting them. You want to see them move into the healthiest version of their own thinking and all that kind of stuff. And so when you're... when know this, if you've got people in your life who do a lot of counseling ministry, that's a person who's carrying a lot of burdens because that's a compassionate person who has a lot of empathy and they spend a lot of time praying for, thinking through, um, and trying to work out how can I most help these people that I so desperately care about. And so if you've got people like that in your life, um, the, one of the things that you can do is just give them a space to say everything that they need to say. Just give them a space to lay it all out there. This is what I'm frustrated with. Or these are the questions that I have. This is the thing that this person said to me. What's your take on it? I mean, am I reading this right? Am I reading this wrong? Give them a place, uh, you know, be a place that they can bring their questions, their frustrations, and then pray for them. And keep reminding them of this same stuff. I think one of the things that's so tough in the middle of whether you're counseling somebody, whether you're being counseled, or whether you're a person that is a partner in ministry to somebody who's doing counseling, is to know that all of this stuff is so has so many feelings in it. Yeah. And one of the best things that you can do is when you're talking to somebody whose whose work has a lot of feelings in it is to move towards them with the thing that they're feeling. So 
a lot of times feelings can lie to us. A lot of times feelings can, you know, feelings come over us, they burn off, and we have to decide what what is the most healthy decision to make based off of that. But when you're dealing with somebody who's got a lot of feelings, the place you want to start is you ask them, tell me about how that felt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and let's talk about that. Um, what it's, it's something that it's, it's a thing that psychologists call normalizing instead of pathologizing. And those are big words. Basically what that means is to normalize something is to say to somebody, it makes sense what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been in situations like that and I felt, I felt overwhelmed. I felt tired. I felt like I was never going to, you know, get out of the tunnel or whatever. You, you, are you, are you feeling any of those kinds of things? That's called normalizing. If somebody lays some feelings on you and you're like, dude, that's so weird. That's messed I've never up, heard bro. Of that before. <laughs> like what? Right. Are, are, are you serious? Like, I, man, you should probably talk to somebody because that's really freaky. Not that's me patholo- though. Definitely not <laughs> yeah, me. Not me. That, so that's, that's what psychologists call pathologizing. So you make somebody feel alone. You make them feel like a freak. And what you want to do in that, in that kind of situation, giving advice, receiving advice, or helping somebody who's, who's a, in a counseling ministry, is you want to move toward them with that felt need, those things that they're feeling, and help them feel like they're not alone, and help them rem- remind them of things that they already know that they just need to remember in the moment of frustration and confusion, give them some clarity on that. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely a fantastic place to start. And Jed, maybe you can pick up for us with this. Um, there are a lot of things here that actually apply to um, whether you're talking to someone who's in professional ministry, someone who just has friends who are going through a hard time, they're trying to help, that's probably more universal people, or somebody who even, as we're talking about kind of in the first question, is getting that help. And there are just some attitudes and it's an extension that playing for time, but how do we make sure we're being um, a help as opposed to an extra stressor when someone is faced with doing something kind of counterintuitive, even though we know it's right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important, and this is something where Jesus set us a good example. Uh, it's it's important to be clear. That I think Jesus set us a good example in everything. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well played, sir. Yeah. Well played. It's uh, rare that you get to catch Jed with one of those as opposed to the other way around, so I felt like I needed to take the moment. No, that was that was well done. That was well done. Given that, one of the many, many, nay, infinite number of things that Jesus got exactly right. Thank you. Um, is the, the story, uh, the lame man at the pool, and Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that question of do you, do you want things to be different? Do you want to make changes? That's a critical question in helping people. Uh, one of the things... Uh, and it's one that's worth asking. Um, one of the things that, that people assume and it's false is that hating your current circumstances and actively wanting to make changes are the same thing. They're not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're, the world is full of people who hate their lives. Yeah. I mean, really, really hate their lives. But more than anything, don't want to change anything. That's right. Just Addicts hate what they are addicted to. Yeah. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Well, and to that point, there's a phrase that's used in AA. It's a great phrase. They say that AA is for people who want it, not people who need it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, anyone who's an alcoholic needs AA, mm-hmm. but it's actually only for the people that want AA because they're the only people going to get anything out of it. You know, this, this is the thing. So I think, you know, a lot of time, Matt, to answer your question, where we get into trouble is when we are trying to, to, to help someone against their will. 
Um, or we're trying to help someone in a way that they don't want to be helped. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the desire to make changes and a desire for help in any form are also not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, people are, are, are willing to receive what they're willing to receive, and, and we can lose sight of that. But the other thing that we can lose sight of, and I think this is something that we talk about internally all the time, is the idea that whenever I'm trying or am feeling tempted to try and force help on someone who doesn't actually want it, I'm ignoring someone else who does want it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are in your community right now today, there are people desperate for help. There are people who want to make changes right now today. Um, and the issue is actually finding those people. Um, there, there are always, if you can dig it, if you think about the dark moments where you've cried out to God in prayer, God, are you there? Do you care about me? Do you love me? You know, do you uh, even notice that I'm here? There are more people than you can count in your town praying that prayer right now. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you that's true. And you can be a part of God answering that prayer. But one of the things that we often get into is focusing all of our time and attention on the person that doesn't want to be helped today. They may down the road, mm-hmm. but they don't today. They, d- they don't want to make changes today. At the expense of the person who does desperately want to make changes today, they don't know how. They don't know where mm-hmm. to start. They don't know what mm-hmm. that would look like. So I think that question of do you want to be healed? Do you want to make changes? That's what Jesus asked, and that's a really, really good example for us to follow. Absolutely, and I'll throw it to Glenn. Uh, Maybe you can walk us through some uh, hard-learned don'ts. Yeah. When you're trying to, again, this applies to all situations. This is the the person getting counseling. This is Mm -hmm. Glenn oversees a lot of ministry and kind of counsels Mm -hmm. pastors. So Mm -hmm. trying to help somebody help somebody or just people who have family going through a rough time don't know what to tell them. If you don't have the actual answer, we can at least give you some things to, right. we know don't do this. Yeah. yeah I think the f- top of that list is, is don't tell me what I already know about mm-hmm. the situation. Uh, that kind of comes close to, you know, rubbing it in kind mm-hmm. of a thing or, or insulting my intelligence. Well, I, sometimes that also holds, uh, reveals or can communicate to the person hearing it. I'm just, I feel like I need to say something. That's right. I'm kind of talking to right. hear myself talk. I know you That's know right. this, but I want to say it. That's you know right. what's bad are drugs. Right. I notice you've been taking drugs. They're a destructive right. force in our society. They're, right. And, they're and, bad. And I'm talking about something different from what Lee was talking about before. Where Lee is talking about reminding people of what the calling is here, what the purpose is, what the right. big picture. That's that's good stuff. I'm talking about if – I think uh, people close to, to pastors and people who are close to people doing this type of work often have someone in their life saying, well, you know, you, if you're having problems, you need to just give it to Jesus. Yeah. It's really Jesus's problem solved, not yours. You know, you know, Glenn, you should probably let go and let God. Right. Wow, that's <laughs> you know? good. That's really well, good. Okay, I know I'm supposed to do all that stuff. I know that God's doing the ministry. Not me. I, I know that already. Have yeah. you tried praying about it, Glenn? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I'm not brand new to this. So, you know, I think uh, we don't want to get into that. What I'm looking for is something that gives me a different way of looking at this, you know, uh, and I think this is what we can, what I'm often doing with a pastor, or what, what I encourage uh, spouses of pastors to do in this exact kind of situation, is a perspective, uh, a context, what's going on here. For example, with this particular person, if, uh, if this guy came to me and described, I'm working uh, with an individual, and here are his struggles, here's what he's doing, here are the choices he's making, here's the frustration I have off that, here's the thing I would tell him is... 
you and this this guy you're working with are both trying to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. Normal's not a, on the table. You experience a certain amount of trauma, normal's gone. Yep. Normal's never coming back. The two choices remaining are you are either, either going to be an extraordinarily strong person who has an extraordinary and amazing life, or this will destroy you. Yep. Those are the only two options. Pick one, then we'll go from there. Uh, as as Jed was saying, even if he picks the, okay, well, I'm going to feel sorry for myself and just go down a, a hole, you can still tell him stuff yep. that will that will mean something to him when he gets to the bottom of the yep. hole. It's almost like leaving a note for him yes. at the bottom of the pit that yes. he's on his way down to. So you can still minister to him even if he chooses the wrong thing. And we can we can you know focus on somebody else who's ready now and and those kind of things. Uh, but uh, I think that's the way I would present it to that person who's doing the ministry in order for them to um, reconceive of what the the goal is. If you're working to get back to normal, there's a reason why you're failing at that. It's not yeah. because you suck. It's not because he sucks. It's because this isn't in the realm of possibility yeah. here, and it's it's not necessarily a great goal. Yeah. Normal is kind of boring, so who cares? Um, uh, second thing I'll say real quick is break this down into bite-sized pieces. Tell me what to do today. Tell me if you don't know the whole answer to us. Give me what I can do right now. Small little thing. Then we'll figure out what the next small little thing is. One of the phrases I've heard Glenn use many times across many situations is, "I don't know. Have you tried single thing? You can give a shot." Yeah, yeah. Let's just. Um, Go at this with a, 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 a spirit of experimentation, a, a spirit of, uh, you know, let's uh, try some stuff, see what works. Does mm-hmm. that give us a sense of, okay, that's starting to work. Let's go further that down that direction and so forth. So small bite, don't, we're not looking for the global solution. We're really looking at where do we begin, mm-hmm. you know, one, one bite at a time is how we eat this elephant. We just need to know what that first bite is. Where do we start? Um, uh, Jed actually recently does with me, my wife does this with me a lot. If you're talking to someone who's doing frontline ministry stuff, professional, volunteer, doesn't matter, if you're talking to them, here's a really good tool. Remind them of something they did or said that worked with you. You know, so if you're a pastor's wife or you're a wife of somebody who's doing volunteer work, you know what, when when you, I was having a struggle, and you told me this, that really helped me. I know if it helps me, it's bound to help a lot of other mm-hmm. people. We don't often have that good of a sense of what we do that really works, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so having somebody give us that feedback of where something we can go back to, something that we may have only done halfway because we didn't know that that was going to be effective can really help, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. I think one of the things all these guys are pointing to, and it's worth saying on this kind of stuff when you're, when you're either, again, we're saying this is if you're a professional ministry, volunteer ministry, if you're just someone who has friends who has problems, so that would probably be all of this. Um, it's one of the easiest things in the world and one of the things that will um, corrupt the whole process and really make you feel bad about it and make you um, make the other person feel bad about it is if you lose sight of the fact that God is kind of in charge of this stuff, it's real easy to get down to. It is my responsibility to give this person amazing advice, which they then have to affect uh, enthusiastically and correctly so that I can feel good about the advice I gave. And we got to figure this out because as we say, you know, this person's in a dire circumstance. We got to, I can't believe somebody's living like this. We got to do this. One of the things that... 
for those of us who work for Glenn, one of the things I've learned from Glenn is um, even if it's a bad situation, and I don't mean this unempathetically, but we've had people who, you know, have walked, we've offered, we can take you to the shelter and we know mm-hmm. the guy and the yep. job program. And they go, no, nah, I know it's January, but I'm going to go sleep on the street in Chicago. Right. And right. if there's no talking them out of that, you have to have a faith in that moment of God is going to take care of this person mm-hmm. in whatever way God takes care of them until they're ready for something new. That's right. And right. if you lose if you lose sight of that, which I don't mean to sound patronizing, because again, it's surprisingly easy to lose sight of the fact that there is a God when you're mm-hmm. trying to help someone that's right. with Christian stuff mm-hmm. and take all that responsibility yourself. And that's when we get into a lot of this frustration, these problems, these putting your pressure on yourself. So if you can, even if someone is actively making a decision, you think it's destructive or you don't know what to tell them, you, if, you, if you can recenter yourself on the fact that God is going to take care of this person, and he right. he may use me to do it. He may not. That's right. That's up to him. I'm going to be as faithful as... It's not my job to solve this person's problem. Right, that's right. It's my right. job to be as faithful as what I can with what God gives me. That's a, It seems like a small tweak. It may seem um, kind of sanctimonious and pat, but give it a shot of no, reminding yourself that kind of stuff. I, I think you're right, because there is a tendency to say, to think... It's like God has given me the handoff yeah. to deal with this person, so I have to hand this person back to God in good shape or something. Well, that's it's like not you guys it were saying about playing for time. There's also a sense of emergency. Right, that's right. I had to do this. Yeah, now, yeah right if now, this yeah. person, it, it's t- negative 20 degrees. If they sleep outside, right. they will die. Right. I am sending <laughs> right. them to their death. Right, right, right. But again, if that's the decision they made, they if, they're, if they can trust God enough to do this stupid thing, yeah, then you can you're too. in a situation you kind of have to. And, and, that, and that might help to clarify the thought process sure. if it gets yeah. cold enough. Maybe they could know? use a little more pressure on that's, their end. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. I'm going to move on to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr, and it says, How do you heal from spending years actively trying to kill your sexual feelings? I love the podcast and thought you all might be able to help. When I was younger, my church really encouraged me to believe in the idea of, quote, emotional purity, unquote. Correct. That's good. You know, stuff like having a crush on someone is emotionally cheating on your future husband and the whole, quote, attraction is lust, lust is wrong, unquote. Stifle any sexual feelings you have because those are for marriage. Whatever. Thank you for transitioning because we have a lot more of these to go. Because of this and other poisonous ideas, good recognition, I have shamed myself into being afraid of a guy touching me. Not just in regards to intercourse, but also kissing. I do still feel attraction. It's just my automatic response is to try and smother it. I have not been sexually abused or mistreated in any way. It all comes down to this kind of stuff. I really hate feeling this way. I'm not in a relationship, but I know the level. this level of dysfunction would probably kill one away. I will be speaking to a counselor at my university about this to see if she can help me or recommend to me or recommend me out to someone who can because I have no idea what to do about this. I want to heal from this and be able to have a healthy, satisfying relationship, but where do I start and what are the kind of things I should be looking to fix? And Jed, maybe you can start us off on this. Sure. Well, uh, off the top, two things. First, we are so sorry for what you've been through. Amen. Um, yeah, that all, sucks. All of us are, it's, it's wrong and you deserve better and we're sorry. And let, let's be clear, because it's, it's it can be easy, and this person has a sense of it, but this is way beyond the pale of, um, 
normal, even normally overcooked Christian sex yeah. is naughty stuff. This is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is out there. We're going to get into all that, but we'd actually like to start by kind of summarizing, just practically speaking, what do you do with it? Because mm-hmm. that's yeah. the part we really, really need to know. Absolutely. We don't want to cheat the process of talking about everything that's wrong with what you've been told. That's right. We're going to There's fully a lot. explore that. Sure. Um, but we're, we're sorry, and as a preview, it's super wrong what you've been told. Yeah, right, um, right. So, but let's talk about what you do with it. You might have heard this phrase before, but this is what's before you, is embracing the idea of a new normal. Here's what that means. You had a life before where certain things were taboo and weird and foreign and uncomfortable, and we're going to move into a life where those things become commonplace. That's what it means to embrace a new normal. I say it again. You had an old life. Things were strange, weird, threatening, foreign, bizarre, uncomfortable, but we're going to move into a life where they're totally normal, totally commonplace. We're going to embrace a new normal. That's what we're going to do. Mm. There are three steps to doing that. You can do all of them. You've already mm. actually done the hardest stuff. The, That's the, right. Writing yeah. the things represented in this question, you've already done the hardest work. Mm-hmm. So what's before you now is actually relatively easy. The first thing that we need, we need three things. I'll summarize them and go through all three of them. In order to live into a new normal, you need good left and right boundaries that are not based on emotion. They're based mm-hmm. just on good advice. So we, we know we're not veering too far in one direction or another. We need a plan, just concrete steps. How are we going to live into this new normality that, that stays between those two boundary lines? And then what do we do with our emotions in the meantime? Those are the three steps. Let's, let's look at each of them. The first is left and right boundaries. This is a phrase that comes from Halley. And the idea is in anything, there are uh, uh, extremes are never good. Um, and there's, there's always extremes in two different directions. That's true in everything. Uh, to, off to the left and off to the right. And we need to know what those are. Here, here are the extremes uh, for you as you look at sex and intimacy and dating and relationships. Having penetrative intercourse, the kind that can make babies, with someone who is not your spouse is not God's will for you. That's correct. That is a sin. That, that is adultery. That is a sin. The, the Bible is clear about that. Right. That is too far in one direction. Mm-hmm. Too far in the other direction is demonizing a, de- a normal human God-given desire for sex. Absolutely right. Right. That is also wrong yep. and also sinful. That's right. Um, but here's the crazy thing, and you might be thinking this already, that leaves a lot of stuff in between. Right. Like a lot. And mm-hmm. you're right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is, for everything you've been told, um, what the Bible says is that penetrative baby-making sex should be saved for marriage. Right. That's about all it says. That's right. Um, everything else, you've kind of got to work out for you, and ideally you'd work out in the context of your relationship with the Lord and with your significant other. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. But, but those are your left and right boundaries. And here's why we need to know that. As long as we're between those, no one can come to you and say you're in sin. Right. That's, okay, that's, uh, no one can biblically make a case. You are for sure in sin. Everything between that, we just got to work it out between you and Jesus. Mm -hmm. So. And that's not to say that for every individual, everything between those things is good. Absolutely. That's That's saying now we're not dealing with a binary of sin, not sin. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with something that is, you're saying is more gradiated and more personalized. Exactly right. right. We got it. We got to work it out. But that gives us a, a wide range in which to work. So that's Mm -hmm. great. So the next thing is the practical living out plan of what we're going to do. And this part is actually pretty simple. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go on dates. Mm -hmm. We're going to sign up for a dating website. And we're going to know I'm going to be super bad at this. And I'm going to feel super weird. And I'm going to be awkward. I'm going to talk too fast because I'm really nervous. I don't know what to do about it. And I feel super weird. That's okay. It's okay. It's all right. 
if uh, if that date doesn't work, we're going to the next one. That's right. We are we're going to go on dates. Mm-hmm. If it goes well, we might play a little kissy face at the end of that date. There you go. And it's going to be lovely. Lovely. It's going to be beautiful. Yep. God will smile on it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Yep. The, these are. I am signing up for eHarmony tomorrow. These are the concrete steps that we're taking. Right. Then the last piece is what do we do with our emotions? Because as you already know, again, you've already done the hard work on this. Your emotions are going to go buck wild this whole time, particularly mm-hmm. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They're, they're already going buck wild. Right. Here's what we're going to do with that. A, we're going to anticipate they're going to go buck wild. We're not going into this with a sense of, I'll probably feel great about this. We're going to anticipate, I'm going to feel super weird. Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel Mm -hmm. super weird about every aspect of this for a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's going to happen. So I'm not scared about that. You know, when that comes, uh, I'm, I'm ready for it. But thing number two is we're going to start insisting now on a new identity for ourselves. All right. It is not that I am this weird, crippled person that's trying to do something new. That's not your identity. Mm -hmm. Your identity as of right now is I am a person that has crushes and enjoys them, goes Mm -hmm. on dates, holds hands, and enjoys the whole process. Lovely. That's who I am. Yep. That's the kind of person I am as of right now today. My feelings might not always agree with that. Right. That's okay. My feelings don't always agree with anything. That's right. They're feelings. They come and go. But I am insisting this is the kind of person I am starting right now today. Not open to any uh, information to the contrary. If you will do those three things, if you will set good boundaries, and again, you start Mm -hmm. with the firm boundaries on your side, and then you kind of dial in based on your own walk with the Lord. If you take concrete steps, I'm going to start going on dates. It's going to be good. And you say, I anticipate this is how I'm going to handle my emotions, and I'm going to insist on this identity for myself. Not only can you push through this stuff, you can push through it a lot faster than you think you can. Yeah. Mm. Um, that first date is going to feel super, super weird. That is yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. The 10th date will not feel weird at all. Yeah, you won't. it won't be a thing. It won't be a thing. You've already done the hard work. You're calling out the stuff you've been taught as a lie. You've already done the hard work. Now it's just about living in to the foundation you've already built for yourself. We are proud of you. We believe in you. Go at it. You've got this. Absolutely. And Lee, if I can get you to pick up right there, because Jed's absolutely right. One of the hardest things on this kind of stuff is making that turn in your thinking, calling out the stuff you've been taught is destructive. But that is a bit of an ongoing process. You may find new things. You may find old associations that you have to cut a little cleaner than you thought. So what's that ongoing process of, I now acknowledge that this was really bad, but what's the next layer of, how do I react when I find new things about this? I find shame's even over there. How do I deal with, you know, if my parents still go to that church, if I still know some people from that church who are nice people and it wasn't their fault, how do we deal with kind of that, start looking at that web of stuff? Well, first of all, I want to say we're super proud of you for how far you've come yeah. on Amen. this. Um, it's a big deal. Um, it's a big deal to to, uh, to 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 just pull the e-brake on something huge in your life and say, wait a minute, I've been completely lied to. Yeah. Um, that's that's a big deal. And we're all just, you know, high fives all around. It's really, really cool. Uh, right off the top, if you're if you are still going to that church, leave it today hey, um, preach say that yeah, again yeah. and uh seriously if 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 that's the church that you currently attend decide i will never step in the doors again um mm-hmm. it's 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 harmful it has super super 
super, they have really lied to you. <laughs> um, if like Matt said, if, if like Matt's suggesting it's your parents' church that you, you know, you're expected to visit when you go home from college for Thanksgiving break or something like that, just tell them I'm not going there. Uh, yeah, okay. You know, you you can be cool about it. It doesn't have to be a big fight or anything like that. But just just insist. I'm I'm I won't be joining you um, for that service. Uh, you don't have to go to a place that's lying to you. You just simply do not have to go. So don't do that anymore. Um, so so cool that you're seeking out a counselor at the school where you're going. That is such a great idea. Getting somebody to talk to, somebody who's going to listen to you, understand where you're go- coming from, and all that kind of stuff. Let me make another suggestion, which is. When you find a healthy, uh, believing community, a church that you're really digging, a church that that preaches the truth, the truth about the scripture, especially in terms of uh, you know the normal and true view of God's uh, just God's opinion over sex. Uh, when you find that, if you find some people that you trust, some godly women who have great marriages that you trust, who, you know, women who love their husbands, love sex, all that kind of stuff, then buy a cheeseburger for one of these ladies or buy some coffee for one of these ladies and say, I need to have conversations. I need to have lots of them. I need yeah. to be vulnerable. I need to be able to ask questions. And I need you to tell me what the deal is because mm-hmm. I have been super lied to and I want to get a new normal, exactly like Jed's talking about. As far as the ongoing process of this, and here's the deal: this is going to be the this is going to be the hard piece of what's left. Is that you mentioned shame, and that's exactly what you're dealing with in this whole deal. The problem with shame is that shame is like a weed. Shame does not need a lot of great soil to grow in. It doesn't need a lot of sunlight or water. Shame just grows, and it gets mm. its roots down deep and in funky yep. places. And just when you think you've cut the head off of all of this shame, something will happen. You'll see a movie where there's you know, a great kissing scene or something like that, and you'll feel funky all of a sudden. And you'll feel bad about yourself that you're enjoying that m- scene in that movie. I'm just making this up, but, but something like that may happen. And what that means is the roots of that shame are still down there and they're still trying to grow and they're still trying to infiltrate. And what you have to do is a very, very intentional thing. The scripture talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, which is whenever there is a lie that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, you have to reject it and arrest it. You have to put it under arrest and say, that is not true. I, because here's what shame does. Shame says, you should feel terrible because you're a terrible person. That's what, that's what shame actually does. Is Like guilt says, you did something bad. Shame says, you are bad. Yep. And what you have to do is you have to reject shame when it comes up so that when you, when, you know, if you go out on one of these dates, a guy, a really nice guy, you're having a great time. You've been hanging out for a couple hours and he reaches across the table and, and touches your hand. And all of a sudden you're holding hands and immediately you feel really jittery and this feels amazing. And I'm all caught up in it. And then all of a sudden you also feel like I'm a terrible person and this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And I'm such a, I'm such a sinner or whatever. In that moment, you've got to be prepared prepared for that, just, just like Jed's saying, and be ready to cut off that shame by arresting that thought and rejecting it. This is the ongoing process of what you're going to have to go through because shame is like a weed and those roots grow deep and it doesn't need a lot of nourishment to grow and pop its head up and cause you problems. So you've got to be ready to arrest those thoughts, 
Cut them off and reject shame because Jesus wants you to enjoy a healthy sex life. He, inv- he invented it so that you can have fun and pleasure with the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Glenn, that's a perfect place you pick up and take us out on this because there are two things that I think we need to stress pretty clearly. One is that, as we said before, this is not an adorable little thing you were told someone could. This is... Uh, the idea that sexual attraction is a sin for that's heresy. That's mm-hmm. yeah. that's, that's right. not in the Bible. To to Lee's point, this this is not a situation where th- this is not one of the situations where there's a lot of other good stuff about this church. And they pointed this out. If a church, it was if it came from the pulpit or a Sunday school teacher or some official, and they told you this, this is not an actual scripture believing right. gospel preaching church. That's that's, right. that's out. Yeah. And also, um, and this kind of ties into it. Uh, Lee did a great job there, kind of breaking down what we're doing there, but. Um, also you can't only, you can't get anywhere by just saying the thing I was told is wrong. Yeah. That's a good step. Right. You do have to start replacing that with what's actually right. Yeah. That's exactly so maybe right. you can give us a little bit of ammo on that. Yeah. First and foremost, the people who said this to you do not believe it. No. That's really important because... Because <laughs> they would not leave the house for how ashamed they are about their own feelings. That's they right. They actually believe this. The, the, yeah, it's really important. Uh, I, I think you, as, as, as these other guys have said, you've done the, the toughest step, the biggest step, which is to admit and acknowledge this stuff is inappropriate. But of course, it still is, as Lee is describing there, it still has its roots that are going down and it's kind of spreading. So we still have to dig that stuff up mm. and, and, and weed it out. And here's the thing with that is the best way to get rid of these thoughts really is to recognize the people who said this do not believe it. They don't yeah. live by that. They don't. They, uh, let me tell you why I'm saying that. For, first and foremost, uh, no human being lives this way. Nope. The, you, I, I underlined one of the phrases that they supposedly gave you, or I'm sure they gave you, but that, that they supposedly believe, is attraction is lust, um, Try again. No, they're that, not. That's why there are different words for that. That's right. Uh, that's like saying being hungry is gluttony. Yep. It's like saying having money is greed. Yeah. That's not even the logic of that breaks down. This is propaganda. That's right. It's not designed yeah. to teach. It's designed just to force certain behavior on. That's you. right. And it's really all of this is really designed to keep you from having premarital sex, as Judd says. Why don't you just say that and set that boundary, and then yeah. we're done here? But, Which funny, not to cut you off, but yeah. the funny thing is that's the only scriptural thing that they had in their mind. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, you and we're saying the same thing. We 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 don't think you should have uh, sex outside of marriage. So that's you know we're 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 holding up the biblical end of that. Here's the thing. Here's where a certain amount of this is coming from. As these fellows mentioned earlier in the podcast, I do uh, quite a little bit of uh, uh, counseling with pastors, talking with pastors. And a, I know you don't want to hear this or to know this, but a very significant number of them have sexual struggles, just like you do. They're not different from you in that. As of 10 years ago, Barna reported 90% of pastors had looked at pornography online in the last month. This is what we're talking about. There's way more internet today than there was 10 years ago. That number is way higher today than 90%. That's right. The, 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 what, the, what these pastors are struggling with is the same stuff that everyone's struggling with. But here's, here's the key part that I want to tell you about. I talk to pastors who struggle with uh, online porn, etc., as just describing there. And then I hear what those pastors get up and say in the pulpit when they're struggling with online porn. Here's what they say. Attraction is lust. Lust is strong. Stifle any sexual feelings you have because those are for marriage. 
that I'm quoting yes. from the, your 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 question here. That's the kind of stuff that those guys say because they're trying to preach that uh, extreme message to themselves. They're yeah. trying to yell at themselves. There just happen to be a hundred people in chairs in front of them. That's right, and they're saying all the wrong stuff to themselves. They're just trying to shame themselves, as as Lee was talking about. So. The person who told you this does not believe it and is for sure not living no by question. it. So, therefore, we can just really let that go. It's not, we're not even going to analyze what's wrong with that. It's not even, even worth analyzing. Uh, second quick point, God made sex and attraction and physical contact and uh, kissy face and all those uh, things and holding hands in the movies. He made that to feel good. Yeah. He made that to feel good for a reason. I think you need to figure out what that reason is. Uh, God didn't do that to tempt you. God does not tempt people. That's yeah. not how that works. He made it to feel good. He wants it to feel good. You're not letting yourself feel good with it. So uh, as, as Jed is pointing out, we're, we're, we, haven't, uh, we can't say I can confidently assert that I'm in God's will and living myself in a righteous way by denying myself all of these things. God made these things to feel good. Now, yes, again, he has set clear boundaries. You need to set clear boundaries. Lust is when you lose control. Uh, you need to set a boundary and keep a boundary. If you set a boundary and keep it, that's not Doing lust. Great. You know, that's 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 full on righteousness. That's as righteous as it gets. Last quick thing: a lot of what these guys are talking about is it, it's like uh, your brain and your heart and your emotions and everything is going one direction. Now we're trying to go another direction. You're going to feel sort of the whiplash of that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to kind of keep reminding yourself and keep reminding yourself and keep reminding yourself. This is actually a neurological thing in your brain that uh, your body, when you, uh, when you have sexual stuff, when you have uh, caffeine, uh, nicotine, uh, uh, cannabis, all these kinds of chemicals in our body, it triggers a serotonin reaction in your body. Your, your neural pathways start to line up. So it's literally your brain is going a certain direction. That's what you're experiencing. You know this stuff is wrong. You know that it doesn't make any sense and it's not even logical. You know it's not biblical. But you feel that shame. It just It's like, uh, it's like you're doing something dangerous in a yeah, way. It's yeah. almost like a frightening thing. Yeah. Uh, and again, this is a brain chemistry problem. This is a neural pathway thing. You've trained your brain to think a certain kind of way about these things. But the good news is that thinking differently about these kinds of things, it's like hacking your way through a jungle. Yeah. It's not a big, broad pathway. We're really you yeah. know, struggling to think differently. But the thing is, the more often you think in that good and right and positive way, that becomes the new normal. Yeah. That becomes the broad yes. neural pathway that you go down. So, yes, it is hard now, but that's why we, were keep, we keep saying here, this gets easier and easier as you go. So keep yeah. going the direction you're going in. That's awesome. One quick thing. I think it's just worth coming back to you real quick. You, you wrote, I'm not in a relationship, but I know this level of dysfunction would kill one anyway. I want to look at that really, really quick. There's a little bit of truth in that. Uh, the truth is, if you go on eHarmony and you get a date and you've never been on a date before and you're trying to deal with your emotions and you're not doing the world's greatest job because it's super hard and you talk 500 miles a minute and, you know, come off like a huge weirdo, which, by the way, I've done before. Right. So, sure, you sure, know, sure. you know that, yes, it's possible that guy might go, okay, well, it's... <laughs> uh, that was something. That's yes, right. that that now, this is what dating's for. You move to the next person. Absolutely right. Life goes. Absolutely yeah. right. But the thing I want to touch on is um, the fear that the right you're going to lose out on your chance with the right guy. 
No, you're not. Right. Yeah, that's not um, how it works. That's that's not how it works. Um, the 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 right guy, the the right person is going to love you for you. Is going to yeah. dig you, even if you're a little weird, a little awkward, and whatnot. You're right. You need to work on yourself to be ready for that relationship. But the idea that uh, that you know that's just that it's probably not in the cards because you you got all this dysfunction and whatnot. That's not true. Um, well, this actually goes back to an earlier point we were making about you have to have some faith in the Lord here that yes. He's things happen in His timing and He's not mm-hmm. going to. You're, as you point out, the person is right here. If you were in a marriage today with you couldn't handle being touched by some of the opposite sex, that would relationship would be a failure. Yeah, right. Um, that's not the same as starting to date someone and letting them know you're working on their troubles, or as you guys are saying, find the next person. You have to have a certain amount of faith in the Lord is going to be faithful in his timing on all this stuff. No, no right. doubt about it. All right, that's a lot of good stuff. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago dot tumblr.com or tell the song this week this is from our pre uh last week's episode of our other podcast the bridge podcast episode 157 that was a uh a, bi- a short biography and some songs based on the writing of the olympian and missionary to china eric little if you've seen the movie chariots of fire he's one of the uh, subjects of that movie so his his is a very very cool story that starts in the olympics and actually ends in a uh, being a missionary in China and in a Japanese internment camp. It's a fascinating story. A lot of good quotes from him. He's a very inspiring dude. But as we always do with our Great Christian Thinkers episodes, we ask a couple of friends to help us out with some music. Based on the writings of this person, this is a song that Jed wrote that's performed by our friend Lynn Honeyman, who is from Glasgow, Scotland. It's called We're All Missionaries. And uh, Jed mission- mentioned earlier our friend Glenn Kaiser. He helps us out with some blazing blues harmonic on this. It's a very fun track. So we're going to take out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. Nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, we must stop the proliferation of long-range monkey missiles loaded with monkey poo warheads. (laughs) (laughs) We're all missionaries Everywhere we go Showing people Jesus Showing them the door Missionaries Everywhere we go Tell them of Jesus Or telling them no Well we either bring them near Or we push them far away But you know there's no denying Far away, but you know there's no doubt.